0: Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Juan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am so glad to have you here. Gosh, we just had a great conversation behind the scenes and so excited to hear all of what you're doing and hear more on leadership. Before we get started, I want to start off with a very odd, it's not very odd. It's the question that everyone hates to be asked at the very beginning. (laughs) Tell us more about you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I live in Central California, originally from Los Angeles, and I have a military background. So I was in the military United States Army for about 10 years, a little short of 10 years. I was deployed in Operation Iraqi Freedom for about 18 months and then became a police officer for a couple years before I decided that it wasn't for me. It was for me, but I just I felt like my calling was more to work with students and youth. And so I left to go work for a, a nonprofit for youth development and did that for 11 plus years. In that time, went from a staff to a leader of a couple different locations, and then became the manager and then the director of programs. And that's where a, a lot of my growth came from. I had some pretty good leadership, had pretty bad leadership. And then I think one of the biggest teachers of leadership for me has been my family. So my wife, I've been married for 17 years, and I have three boys. They just... Uh, 11 14 and 15 and so I really feel like a lot of lessons that I learn are from talking to my wife and to my kids where I'm like oh my gosh this isn't for you this is for me I need to listen to what I'm saying because this message I feel like God is using y'all for me to talk to myself and yeah that's pretty much me in a nutshell
0: California so good weather I'm sure it's better than what we are experiencing over here in Dallas (laughs)
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: So you mentioned something that was like very interesting. And I just would like to clarify, you mentioned some bad leadership experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something from your leadership while you were working? Or is it, are you saying that you did not know how to be a leader?
1: Oh, good question. And thank you for that question to, so I can clarify. Honestly, now that I think about it, it's probably a little bit of both. But when I said that, it it came mainly from being under bad leadership from the military to the police department to even the nonprofit. But in that, it helped direct me in the right place. And then again, some of my development was from not being a the leader that I should have been and learning from those mistakes and going to different trainings and things like that, that put me on the right path.
0: Leadership is a very interesting topic because I always feel like it's a miss in corporate America, not only corporate, but every organization is missing the mark on leadership Mm -hmm. and training people to be better leaders. And one of the things that I've seen over the last 15 years of my career has been someone's getting promoted into a management role. There's no leadership training. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're... Of course, there's individual contributor roles, and then there's direct management roles. And most of the people who are managing teams have no idea how to deal with people, how to manage a team, how to do anything. And the companies are not really being held accountable. They're just like, all right, go in there and get us some results. Is that what you've seen in your experience as well?
1: Yeah, and it's funny because there's certain, I would say departments of the workforce. I've seen this a lot and I've gotten asked to speak like in hospitals where it's nurses and mainly nurses, charge nurses, these things like that. School districts is a big one and I'm sure there's countless other ones, but the reason why a lot of people promote is because they've been in a location for a long time. Just because you've been in a location for a long time doesn't give you the right to be promoted in my opinion. So you find that Hey, hey, Juan's been here for fifteen years. Let's promote him. Or Juan's here for been here for fifteen years, but this other person that applied for this promotion position has only been here for five. Juan knows the people in the system. Let's just bring him up. And that's not it. You can't promote people because they're for two reasons. One, you shouldn't promote them because they've been there for a long time. And two, you shouldn't promote them just because they do their job well. Doing their job well is one thing, leading people is something completely different. So just because I can work with kids or file paperwork or do data entry really well, doesn't mean that I know how to lead people really well. So this is the issue and the reason why we have a bunch of leadership problems in it, because you're hiring someone to lead people and they haven't led people for as long as they've been in your location because they've been doing their job. So... There's a lack of training, which is where I come in, where I can help people in their, to be specific in their strength-based leadership. How do we bring people up in an organization and their people up through their strength, through their strengths, their natural born strengths?
0: You touched on some good points, like people being promoted based on longevity, how long they've been with the company. I definitely have some experiences. (laughs) Bad leadership (laughs) early in my career. I specifically remember a lady that worked for a company yelling at me and telling me she's been there for 25 years. So just because she's been there for 25 years, she knows what's best. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) she didn't really know a lot of information. And I come from a larger company was implementing better processes and gosh, she just, came, I was like all of like 27 years old, had my own office. I was probably the youngest person that actually had an office. And this lady was, she hated me for no reason. And okay. went on to to tell everyone why she was right, because she's been there 25 years and she has all of the best information and some companies, especially if they're stuck in that mentality of, oh, this person's been here for 20 years, 30 years, we're going to make them VP or whatever it is. Those are the companies that tend to fall behind. They tend to fail. Every company, I can't necessarily say it's the smaller ones. Every company has leadership problems. Even the larger ones I mentioned, come large companies now, you'd be surprised promoting someone and giving them a one-day workshop and saying, all right, now you went through this leadership training that was like one day and it was all like videos from YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> we can talk on and on about that, but it sounds like we're both very passionate about the topic. And of course, with what you do, it seems like you're trying to break some of the gaps. But I I would like to ask you as far as what does it mean to you to be a leader?
1: I feel that there's three different levels of leadership. You have to be the basic leader. That's what you do. That's the action. I'm taking someone, a department or people or a project from one place to another. That's your basic leader, which is leadership. Then I think the next level Above that is, is a servant leadership. So I am there to serve and help you. So as a boss, you shouldn't be serving yourself and the C-suite people. You should be doing service to those people who are under you. So servant leadership, I have a like skin in the game because I want these people to move up, move forward. And so I'm serving you. I think the next level above that is stewardship. And this is where I think my definition of leadership comes from is we've hired you. I'll use you as an example. Angel, we want you to come in and work in this department. We love what's on your resume or we love what you've done for the last couple of years. We want to take this to the next step. So it's the understanding that I'm giving you a position You have talents and now you have people under you. So Angel now has to say, if I'm going to be a steward of leadership or steward of myself, I also need to be a steward of the position. This organization is going to go on a lot longer than I'm here. This position or this company is bigger than I am. If I leave, they're going to replace me. So I know that they entrusted me to keep people within the parameters of these policies and procedures and to move everyone from point A to point B thank you for giving me this position. I now need to be a steward of myself and my gifts and talents to say, hey, I've learned something and all these things from all these years in different locations and trainings for a reason. And now I have these five or six or 10, 20, 100 people below me. I need to make sure that I take care of them and move them forward. This is the simplest way that I can put it. I told my son this the other day. He got a new basketball coach at school and he was worried about it. I said, you have to think that this man who is now your basketball coach prayed, God, give me this position. I'm really hoping for this position give me a team that these kids are coachable, help them to love the game of basketball, help them to fall in love with the game. Love me, the assistant coaches, but I just want this position. God says, I know the best school and the best team for you. I'm going to give you what you've, asked for. Meanwhile, you have a group of kids that are saying, God, we loved our old coach. Just give us someone that is going to coach us, loves the game, loves us, and is going to take us from one point to another. And God says, don't worry, I got you. Out of all the people that you could have coached, I gave you these 10 kids. These 10 kids are the perfect people to help you grow as a coach. Going back to the kids, I have the best coach for you. You have to be the best student that you can be of the game for this coach. So whether you believe in karma, whatever, or God, or whatever it is, the stars have aligned to put the right people in the right spot. To me, that's leadership. You've given me a position. I have to do well by you, well by me, and then well by others. And that's really stewardship. This job is bigger than me. You were given it's been given to me, and I'm gonna make you proud with the people, the equipment, or whatever that you've given me.
0: Wow. I love that. I love that. So when you think about your style over the years and with your experiences, and of course, growing as a leader, how do you think that your adapted leadership style meets the need uh, the needs of others that you are um, not only training, but leading as well?
1: Yeah. You said something earlier where you said that training for an organization was like, here, watch these come to this training, this one or two day training, and all the videos are from YouTube. If we need something done in a blanket way, like everyone needs to be on the same page. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. But every person learns differently. This is why I got into Gallup Strengths and why I'm a certified Gallup Strengths coach is Gallup does a lot of research and they know and understand what good leadership is and what good management is and, and how to work in your strengths. And so the way I do something is going to be different the way you do something. The way I get from point A to point B is going to be different the way that you do it. So I know that if I have 20 different people, if I know their strengths and they and I have them take their strengths assessment, I'm going to address their issue or they need to address their issue differently than the way I would. So I'm going to coach them through that. And I think that leadership sometimes needs to be individual. Sometimes, again, it's a blanket thing. Like, hey, whatever, everyone needs to show up on time and we're teaching policies and procedures. But when we're looking for growth, the way you grow is going to be different the way that, that I grow. And I think it's really good and important for a lot of organizations when it comes to onboarding, when they onboard new staff. I'm going to want to know, what do they like public praise or do they like private praise? Because everybody's different. Um, I've made the mistakes of giving public praise to someone who liked it, Private And they were embarrassed and they didn't want to be recognized anymore. Um, So there's that. Then there's also, I want to know what your favorite, whatever drink is, non-alcoholic, but your favorite drink is, is it coffee? Is it a Starbucks thing? Is it a Jamba Juice thing? Is it whatever it is? Because we, it seems like organizations want to give out Starbucks cards all the time. And for me, I'm not a coffee person. So I remember having 10, 15 Starbucks cards And I couldn't do anything with them because I didn't like coffee. So when we recognize staff, that's also individualized. So if that's individualized, how somebody learns is going to be individualized. So how do we do that as a staff? So I knew that I had to get beyond myself and say, hey, not everyone is your cup of tea. Again, the servant leadership and the stewardship part is it's not about me. Listen to what I say. How come they're not listening to me? And I know a big one that I've learned over time is just because you're the boss, or you're in a leadership position, if you ever have to say it, hey, I'm your boss, I'm in charge, I'm the one that you're supposed to, guess what, you're not in charge. If you have to remind people that you're in charge, you're not.
0: Love it. So I have to ask you, because you mentioned that you're a Gallup Strengths Coach, and I've definitely taken the Strength Finder before. So I have to ask you your top five strengths.
1: Yes, so my number one is strategic next is responsibility third is relator fourth is achiever and then excuse me active no achiever and then the last one number five is activator
0: okay so we have some very similar ones i had to pull mine up while you were chatting
1: what what are yours
0: (laughs) okay i have activator connectedness relator individualization and analytical those are my top five. So I was like, I've taken that a few times. I have the book. Um, I know a lot of companies are incorporating that into like their onboarding process. I've, I've worked at least two companies where that was a part of a f- initial first two, three days of onboarding. And I thought it was like very interesting to, it's very important to understand your strengths as well as your team strengths. And I know that you know this and you're a coach, but a lot of the companies are actually using that to understand like what the team's strengths are and how they work well together because everyone has their different strong points. And sure. I know at my company, we have a, a back end that we can go into. You put everyone in a bucket into your team and it automatically tells you from the report, like, what's the number one strength between everyone on your team, how well everyone can work together. And it it's yeah. so awesome. It's it awesome. It, and it does help you come to some conclusions faster than getting to know people over a period of time of, all right, maybe I should put this person over this particular role because they are very good at the connectedness and we need someone who's good at the relationship building. Maybe we have someone who's very analytical and they'd be able to tell us what we need from this data. But comparing that with someone's technical skills or functional skills. It's awesome. And one other thing that I want to ask you about leadership, not only understanding these different strengths and how well people work together, the the way that they would like to be praised, but emotional intelligence. EQ plays such a huge part in leadership. And I, I just dealt with a situation yesterday with a mentee of mine and the person that she was reporting to it seemed like they had no emotional intelligence at all. And I had to hop on a call with them and say, let's walk through the situation. Let's walk through what happened. And this is someone that's more senior than me. And they had to admit they made a mistake. They didn't think things through. They they pulled the trigger too fast on something. When you think about EQ and you think about leadership, is that something you consider important as well?
1: Yes, absolutely. To me, it's starting to become more of a buzzword, which I hate because I want people to be authentic in that sense. But a lot of people who saying that leadership needs to be, they need to be empathetic, right? The hard part is how does somebody become empathetic and show empathy if according to strengths, they don't have empathy? What if empathy is their number 34 strengths and it's nowhere present How do we expect somebody to be empathetic? That's not their strength. So how do we do that? To me, the quick answer is when it comes to something like that, we need to have, there needs to be more people in leadership, at least somebody who has it to say, hey, I can help you, Angel, through with the stuff that you do the issues that you're having, but I might have you go and meet with somebody else that's that has empathy in their top five before you come see me. So you feel heard, you feel understood. And then when we go and work out a plan, come to me, because I got strategic, I got relator. And so that's important. The emotional intelligence part of things is it's important, but when people aren't cued into that, it's because it's not their priority. It's not in the forefront of stuff. I tell people that if you have a gap or if there's gaps in your organization, you have to be intentional. The gaps have to be filled with intention because when gaps are not filled with intention, then by default, they're going to place you in tension. And if you have an issue with this emotional intelligence piece that's non-existent, guess what? You just place yourself in tension because you weren't intentional about it. And we only we only we don't know what we don't know. But if I know that I'm lacking in an area, I need to get the right people around me to say, hey, I'm not good in this area. Go see Sarah, go see Jonathan, whomever to fill that gap. But we have to be intentional or else it's going to place us in tension.
0: You made a good point. And everyone doesn't have that, that empathy or EQ built into them. But do you think it's something that can be taught?
1: I think it can be taught to two different types of people I will I think the person who doesn't have it can learn but it's got to be again it's got to be in the forefront right if you it because it's a blind spot for somebody right because they don't have it and so if in strengths if it their 34 then I would say like with you let's say let's take you for instance you have empathy let's say 34 and I think I, I remember some of yours. I think you had activator, individualization, and I think analytical was the three that I remembered. I'm missing two. With your individualization, I would say, how can you key into this person if you don't have empathy in your top in your, in your strengths, how can you utilize individualization in your strengths to capture the heart of that person that you're working with, what makes them an individual key into that. When you're speaking to Derek today, when you had that one-on-one, I want you to turn down activator, right? Take your time. I want you to turn down analytical. I don't want you to, and I don't need you to analyze numbers. I don't need you to analyze his past experiences and stuff like that. I need you to figure out what makes him an individual and key into your empathy empathy through individualization and so i think it can be taught if people understand what kind of knobs to turn down and what we need to level all the way up to 10 and then stay in that moment when we talk to those people with the thought process of being empathetic
0: interesting and i'm I'm sitting here and i'm like i have so much to say and i'm like we can have an entire episode on empathy and emotional (laughs) intelligence and we may have to do that down
1: the line (laughs) let's do it let's do it
0: have to do that, but it's such both of those pairs. Most people would say it's they're closely related or they're the same, somewhat, slightly different, but either way, it's being able to manage your own emotions and understand someone else's and just being intuitive and the way that you perceive things and understanding. I, I think it has a lot to do with transparency as well and putting yourself in that person's shoes and saying, I was once a junior employee at a particular time in my life. And I understand the lessons or the things that this person is going is going through. So let me give them some advice that I would have given my younger self. At least that's the approach that I take. But uh, it's crucial for leadership. And I think those two in either break someone or they inspire someone, your experiences mm-hmm. with your employees or your teammates. Um, so in a positive way, let's look at inspiring others. Uh, someone who's very empathetic, and they have a great EQ, most likely they're going to be inspiring people on their team and people are gonna be like, Oh my gosh, I have a great leader, all these other things. And they may inspire that person to go on and become a leader themselves or become, you know, a better person um, better at their job, whatever it is. The other side, the person's not so empathetic. They have very poor emotional intelligence. They can inspire that person as well. So it seems like that's what happened on your side and probably mine where you have poor leadership and you're like, Oh my gosh, these people don't know what they're doing. What are they? How are these people? I know when I was early in my career, I was like, how did they get promoted? How did they make it to this level? (laughs) And I'm like, there needs to be a change. And of course, it seems like for both of us, our personal experiences are really what's driving us down this leadership path and helping others become better. What strategies do you personally employ in helping people to be able to inspire and motivate their teams to achieve full potential?
1: Yeah, so a couple of different things. This will answer a little bit to why you love doing what you do. And I love doing what I do is a mentor of mine named says, we are perfectly positioned to serve the person who we once were. So bad leadership. I want to help, right? 15 year old me or 21 year old me or 30 year old me. I want to be the leader that should have taken care of me. Um, So I'm best designed and best positioned to serve the person that I once were which is why I work with leaders and teams so I can help them be and create a place better than I had. So I think that's huge. When it comes to inspiration, one of the biggest questions that I get from those in leadership is how do I motivate my staff? That's one, or inspire my staff. Two is how do I motivate and inspire myself when I give so much? Like I don't, I don't know how to motivate them or I'm burnt out, how do I motivate uh, that? so I do a completely different training called the five essentials to being and how to prevent burnout. That's something completely different. But in that, one of the things that I teach is just like there's secondhand high, there is a secondhand motivation or secondhand inspiration. People who are, what's the law, the physics law, an an item in motion stays in motion, right? You can listen to like, I'm a big Eric Thomas fan and Inky Johnson fan, a bunch of motivational, inspirational speakers, So I stay motivated because they're motivated. To me, self-motivation and self-inspiration is probably the best thing that you can do for a couple of reasons. One, you are the common denominator wherever you are. (laughs) I can't just be in the grocery store or in the room with my kids or with my wife and then just turn on, have Inky Johnson or Eric Thomas in the room with me or turn on my phone when I need inspiration or motivation. I am the common denominator. I need to be able to inspire and, and motivate myself. However, if I stay motivated or I stay in motion, I'm going to continue to stay in motion. If I stay motivated, I'm going to be motivated. And if I'm motivated and inspired and I'm constantly in that, it's going to resonate with other people and there's going to be a secondhand high, a secondhand inspiration. It's just, it's just going to a sporting event. When the crowd is on its feet and cheering, you're more apt to get up and yell Very seldom do you stand up in a crowd and yell and scream to motivate somebody by yourself with no one else doing it. However, when a whole bunch of people do it, you're more apt to scream and and yell at the the top of your lungs. It's the same thing with going into churches and stuff like that. If you go into church, you're not going to sing louder than everybody else, but you're going to sing louder enough so you can blend in with everybody. It is... It is, it comes out of you because of the environment that you're in. So if you're lacking in motivation, inspiration, take a look at your environment and you might want to see what's lacking because more than likely, if you need motivation or you're short on it, it's probably because you're not surrounding yourself with it. And it's important to surround yourself with it so people can get that secondhand motivation or inspiration. And then you should always have a go-to, understand what works and what doesn't for you. What mot- what motivates you? I think we all can make a list at least of three to five things what motivates us or inspires us and have those things handy. And so when you're running on empty, go to those three or five, five things, right? Can- you have to be able to control the controllables, stick with what works and have that stuff handy.
0: I love some of the things you said, especially at the very beginning, how we are perfectly positioned to serve the person that we once were. I love that. And that's definitely my approach to to leadership. And I try to give grace because I'm like, what? I'm thinking back to when I was like 23, 24 years old and I didn't know anything. And I'm like, all right, talk to this person, how you would have wanted someone to speak to you. The leadership advice I never got. And gosh, (laughs) I'm going to share too much. I don't know who's listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, yeah, I had a conversation with, with a young lady the other day and I told her, I am very transparent. I share the ups. I share the downs. I never had anyone do that with me early in my career. They only told you the good things that happened to them. They never told you the bad. I will tell someone the good, the bad, the ugly and how I grew from it. And that's yeah. one thing I never saw in my leadership. Another yeah. thing I never saw with someone to give me like hard truths. I know there were times where I messed up. I probably messed up really bad. And I I never had someone sit me down and say, Angel, this is what you did wrong and this Mm -hmm. is how you should correct it or even just offering to mentor me. And I didn't really get an official mentor until later in my career. And I was like, gosh, like there was like no one that stepped up and told me that I was doing a bad job.
1: And to me, that that person that was over you was just a leader. They weren't a servant leader because if they were a servant leader, they would serve you with the right advice and they would say, hey, this is going to help you. And then the stewardship part, they're not even close to that because in the stewardship space, you would say, hey, it is my duty in my job to show you what you're doing well and what you're doing wrong. But then here is some things that are going to help you move, move forward. And I think that's the key. Again, if we keep that stuff in the forefront of where am I as a leader to do a self-assessment? oh, I'm only this part of a leader. case. Okay, so what do I need to do to move forward? If we want our staff to move up, we need to move up. But here's the other thing that you didn't get that I think a servant leader and someone that practices stewardship would have done is allow people to fail. We have to allow people to fail because people who fail and then, you know, growing up, if you did something wrong, you got spanked, right? You were in, that's caused us to lie because we never wanted to get in trouble. Quick story, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco was taking longer to build because people were working really slow. And then they put a lot of investment into a net underneath the bridge so that they can, if any of the workers fell, the net would save them because they realized if I fell or in this case, make a mistake, I will be okay. I get right back up and I continue to move forward and and work. They ended up finishing the second half of the bridge Twice as fast as the first part uh, because workers were not afraid to make a mistake.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. And this is definitely getting into the next question. I am a teller of hard truths. So I love to tell people, being transparent, I don't want to just call out what someone's done wrong in order to help people develop and become better. I think it's super important for those hard truths. And someone told me I was mean the other day. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, I was offended. And I, I had to sit them down and I said, no, I'm, I'm not being mean at all. And I said, these are things that are going to help you in your career. And I wish I had someone like me to yeah. tell me these things when I was at that stage in my career. So, you know, that leads us to development. And I feel like leaders play a very important role in development of, of the employees of the, the team. Of course, we're in charge of our own personal development, but and what ways that you've seen and that you're pushing out to these leaders, do you think they can prioritize professional development?
1: And to me, it should be the forefront. Somebody the other day just asked me, hey, Juan, you have a mentor? And I said, yeah. <clears throat> and then they said, I'm trying to find a mentor. I'm not asking you because my where I want my mentorship is on the financial side. So I know about finances, but I can't lead them in the way that this other person can. And they said, "How? I know a couple of different people how do I know who to use as my mentor? And I says, a great mentor has a mentor, and it, and and a great leader has a leader ahead of them. Like we all are serving each other, and ask where where do they go? What is their schedule like? And when you start to hear people say, "Oh, I I do this, I do that," and then I meet with my mentor, I meet with this leader, or I'm part of this group where I learn. Your leader should be a teacher, of the, not just a teacher of the game, but a student of the game. And so, like I in my bio. I used to have expert an expert in leadership, and now I've changed that because no one's essentially an expert in anything, but I'm a student of the game. And so I need to be a student of leadership. I, it's constantly evolving. I think people need to do it daily, right? I would request that leaders on their way to work, like prep your day. As you're driving, listen to something, specifically in the thing that you know that you need. This is great when you have evaluations. Quick side note, stop doing yearly evaluations because you're messing your people up. You need to do evaluations probably quarterly. And if I do them quarterly, then we get to the uh, the root of the issue or the problem or a root to what they're doing really well To so we can multiply that and 10x that. But in anything that I need to learn to do, I'm going to be listening to podcasts. So going back kind of full circle, the person who lacks empathy, hey, start to read a book or I here's five different books. Here's three different podcasts. Listen to this on your way over here. If we are wanting to move forward in being more empathetic, 10 minutes on your drive, listen to it and just prep yourself for the day. I think a lot of times, and I do a training on being, being intentional in the workplace. And one of the things that I talk about is before you go into any door of any situation of any room, whether it's a car door or a boardroom door, make sure you're wearing the the right hat. And so I go through a framework. It's going to take too long to take you through the framework. Maybe that's a different call. But how do you go through that door wearing the right hat, being the leader that they need you to be? That doesn't happen unless you are preparing for it. You have to prep and do it beforehand. I think a lot of people get their leadership done too late and they do their leadership on the back end instead of the front end.
0: I definitely agree with you. And some of the things that I do the company I work for, we really press this, ask for feedback often. You shouldn't wait for someone to tell you that you're doing a bad job. So you should actively be asking your manager, whoever you're working with, how you're doing. Don't wait until the, the annual review and you're like, what? I was like doing a bad job this entire time. (laughs) Which is why
1: that yearly review is horrible to do at the end. Here's the stuff that you did well, and here's the stuff you didn't do well. Can you fix that? And you're like, I wish I would have known that 11 freaking months ago. (laughs) Do them quarterly. You can get the better stuff better, and you can get the bad stuff fixed or adjusted.
0: Something asking for that feedback often and early, that's great advice. That's not only for everyone, but it's also super important for someone who's up for promotion. So think about if you're up for a promotion, no one's ever told you that you're doing anything wrong into your review and you're like, what the heck? So that is definitely one thing I wish I would have known. And this is taking us into closing out the show. And Juan, you've been great. I'd love to have you back. I feel like this is, it's such a great conversation and many of these topics, like we can turn into an entire episode on its own. We could do do a deep dive into some of these, but we just finished discussing feedback and asking for that feedback so that you can do better at your job, that also involves being a great communicator. Some people suck at communication. So how do you suggest for leaders to cultivate a culture of open communication?
1: Just like you were saying before, have it often and have it regular. When you can do something regular and often, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a culture. Your culture is not what you say it is. The culture is what it is. If you want to know what your culture is, hire somebody new, Mm And then ask them to report back to you how they feel and who's doing what and saying what, like, that's going to tell you your culture. But when we're talking about communicating often and regular and people need to feel that they're okay with doing it. I know that an organization I was working with, they had surveys and they made them anonymous. And the bosses wanted to know who said what? And like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who said what. You made it anonymous. And then you find out that a lot of the people who said stuff said what their bosses wanted to hear because they were afraid that it wasn't really anonymous, and they were going to find out, and there were going to be repercussions. And so once side thought they were doing communicate, they were communicating really well. The other ones are like, I, "I'm just telling, letting them know what they want to hear because I'm not trying to get in trouble. So what does that tell you about your culture? that people are working afraid or timid because there's the the elephant in the room is a lack of honest communication. One of the things that I tell people is you can still honor your superiors by being honest. I know that one of the things that, that I didn't follow too well when I was a kid, but there's a commandment that says honor your mother and father. You can still honor your mother and father by being honest. You can still honor your boss by being honest. That's part of honor is part of honesty. And hey, we're going to have these conversations. And this is what I've learned uh, to call them courageous conversations. When we talk, it might be difficult, not just for me to say, but it might be difficult for you to hear. I also heard this and I, I loved it, but we got a lesson from Eminem on 8 Mile on the very last rap battle. Eminem tells the audience and the person that he's battling against every single thing that they were going to say about him. And at the very end here, tell these people that something that they don't already know about me, drops the mic, gets a guy, he chokes, right? I'm going to tell this person every single thing that they're probably feeling if I was in their shoes. And that's part of being empathetic. Hey, we're going to go over something that happened as you were written up for X, Y, and Z, or Hey, something happened yesterday that you weren't allowed to do. I do, you're probably gonna feel like your back is against the wall. It's two on one, you're nervous. Am I gonna get written up? Am I gonna get fired? Whatever it is. And then you just say, hey, you put and put out that fire. Uh, I don't want you to feel that way. If you do, I want you to, to say something, but I don't want you to have a meeting outside the meeting. I want you to be vocal here. And I promise you that nothing's gonna happen. I just wanna know your heart. I wanna know how you're feeling. And let the staff be heard. Every person wants to be acknowledged and recognized. Acknowledged and recognized is you see me and you hear me. So make sure that before that person leaves your office, that they feel seen and they feel heard. And when we can do that in a place where they're okay and open to discuss what's on their heart, they're going to know that you understand because you're like, oh my gosh, they were in my shoes. They did feel like, or I did feel like I was ganged up on And that I was nervous and shaky and I was pissed off and upset. And I feel like my back was against the wall, but they told that to me. So they must understand where I'm coming from. And so when we can have these, what we call again, courageous conversations, again, not just courageous for me to say, but courageous for you to take and listen. And we do these things often, people are going to be heard, well aware. And they're going to want to do and have conversations done well. And so when when that happens on a regular basis, then you start to create a new culture of, hey, if you don't like this, go talk to someone. If this rubs you the wrong way, go talk it out with someone. And again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to need, that seed is going to need to be planted, but it's up to you and I to cultivate that and then prune the things that aren't going well so that we can be fruitful in the long run.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. Especially you said, everyone wants to be acknowledged and recognized. And it's so true because you have some people who will think that maybe they're never seen and you have to really acknowledge someone and find the strong point. Even if someone's doing a terrible job, you have to find that one thing that you can let them know that they're doing a really great job on and build that relationship. And gosh, I feel like there's so much more that we can say, but (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, we're We are out of time. And one last question I'd like to ask you as we are wrapping up, if you can think back to your younger self and your journey as a leader, mentor, what's one piece of advice or even a memorable lesson that you've learned that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Your job is not to make people happy. Your job is to make them better. And as a worker, It goes both ways. My job wasn't to make my boss happy. My job was to make him better. His job was not to make me happy. His job was to make me better. Happiness will become a byproduct of becoming better. If I just give you whatever you want and pacify you, you become happy. That doesn't make you better. If I put you in the right trainings, I mentor you, I coach you, and you become better, the result of that is you being Happy. So now you get both. Again, my job is not to make you happy. My job is to make you better.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter,
1: and Facebook
0: at Miss R M B A. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.